Father, we do, uh, Lord, I lift up, uh, God, those families, just knowing that your loved one was there and, and taken, Lord. So be with them, uh, Lord, just be with those families, encourage them, strengthen them. I pray that strong believers would surround them. And Lord, we just do pray for, for just some wisdom and, and uh, God, just for some direction, good direction uh, to, to happen there in Afghanistan and what's happening and what's going on, Lord. And I know it's so, we're so far removed, it's easy for us just to kind of forget about it, but I pray that you would remind us as believers to just lift that situation up and lift up that country and those who are still trapped and it's gotta feel so much worse now. So Lord, uh, again, move mightily in, in that area and once again, just comfort those who are hurting tonight and, and bring them peace. And God, as we do look at your word and, and look at, at, at Paul and, and God, his whole, his whole demeanor and attitude with what he was going through, I pray that it would rub off on us that we would be people who, God, we learned that we can find all of the peace we need, all of the contentment we need, all of the joy we need in a relationship with you. So bless this time. Give us ears to hear, God, and that we would be encouraged, uh, Lord, as we open up your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to finish up Philippians tonight, kind of coming to the end, and, and Paul's getting ready to wrap this up with these guys. But I want to remind us, remember where he's at. He's sitting in a skanky cell, well, probably maybe a rented house by now, which everybody says, oh, he was in a rented house. Oh, whoopee, you're still chained to a soldier and stuff. And here's the thing that I don't think we realize, you're also responsible to take care of yourself. You got, and so you're chained to somebody. How are you going to earn money to get food and do that? So, so think about his situation and what's going on with him and then what he writes. As we've been studying these letters, the, the, the prison epistles, Ephesians and Philippians, we're going to look at Colossians next, uh, start that next week and then get into Philemon. And look at his attitude in the midst of, I think, a horrible, difficult circumstance and he rarely brings it up. He's brought it up a little bit when he talked about, you know, the guys he's chained to is all he said. But he's not like, I think most of us, I, maybe you guys are stronger than me. I would be whining like a mash cat. You know, I would be like, come on, guys, come and get me out of here. What's the matter with you? And Paul is just like encouraging and encouraging and encouraging and, and just like telling the church at Philippi how great they are. So kind of remember that, and, and we'll get more into contentment in a minute. But verse 10, listen, verse 10, he's just talked about how we can have that peace of God, how we can rest in that peace of God, and, and uh, that we focus on those things, that we remember to be anxious for nothing. And then he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now you gotta go, you know, you gotta go read Acts 16 and 17, but you also need to read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians of, of exactly what was going on with these guys and Paul. The church at Philippi, listen, the church at Philippi really got involved with Paul in his ministry. And here's what he's saying. You weren't able to send me stuff. Now I did read ahead, and I do know that Epaphroditus has brought some stuff to him. We'll read about that in a moment. So here's what he's saying. 
Now, listen, now I've gotten what you've sent me and, and you know, quote the care package, which was, was mostly monetary stuff to take care of. But I got that, and he, listen, I know that, that all of that's flourished, and I know you would have done it sooner if you could have, but you weren't capable. Things were in the way. And again, you gotta read Acts, you gotta read Corinthians to figure out what exactly was going on in, in that whole area. But you gotta look at this church. What a remarkable church. They were hurting. They were hurting big time as a fellowship, as a church, as believers. They had lost a lot just because they accepted Jesus and wanted to walk with him. They were chastised by their, their, their families, you know, and it wasn't just Jews. Now it's Gentiles. And they were put out and were having a tough time. Yet, what did they do? They supported Paul. They supported his work. They got involved in the work and that should speak to us because most of us in this room are not suffering greatly because of our faith in Jesus Christ yet. I thought I'd put that part in there. But are we taking advantage of what God has given us in this moment to be involved in what he's doing in this world? And I'm not talking about just monetary. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about everything. That was the church at Philippi. So Paul says, listen, man, I know you wanted to do it. And now what you've given me, listen, your care for me has flourished. And then he says this, listen, just so he, he's like, he's like, want to make sure he doesn't insult them too much by what he says. And he says, not that I speak in regard of need. So listen to what he's saying. I got what you sent me and what a blessing but I don't want you to think I was expecting it, right? I don't want you to think it was out of, out of some need that I'm writing and talking about this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm, I am to be content. Now, before we read on, just think about that statement. Just think about what he has just said. He doesn't care what's going on in his life. He has learned to be content. Now, the Stoics of the time... They thought contentment came you just like, like as you were self-dependent and self-reliant and you would say, well, this is as good as it's gonna get, so I guess I'll be content, kind of type thing. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I learned. I think that's important for us just to stop and, and camp there and think about it because here's what I know. This whole idea of contentment and what he's gonna talk about in a moment doesn't come, listen, it doesn't come by osmosis and it doesn't come just because you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's something you gotta learn and I think, I personally think because I'm an old guy now, it takes years to learn that. It takes a while to get it into you and to get it deep within you. And here's what Paul says, I learned that. I learned that it doesn't matter. My contentment's not, not dependent on circumstances. My contentment's not depending on where I'm at. He's saying, he's sitting in, a, in jail right now, accused falsely, everything is like coming down on him. He's pretty sure he's gonna lose his head. And here's what he says, I've learned to be content. What are you, wacko? Like, like, really? In the midst of that, you've got it all going, kind of the Zen thing going on, right? He goes, hey, I've learned this. Now, listen to what he says, because this is important. He says, I know how to be abased, and I know how to bound. Here's what Paul says. I know how to live without, and I know how to live well. I kind of like that whole attitude, right? Because here's what I think. A lot of us, if we're really honest, a lot of us do better when we're 
abasing, so to speak, when we're hurting, when it's difficult, because that's when we draw close to the Lord, right? We're like, oh, help Jesus, right? Because that's all we got. And it's in some ways easier to be in that position because we, get, we are dependent on the Lord because that's all we have. I, re, I remember years ago, I think, I think Don Stewart said this. I ripped this off from somebody. Most of the little sayings I have, I rip off from somebody. I don't come up with them. And it, it goes like this. When you realize Jesus is all you have, when uh, Jesus is all you need, when you realize Jesus is all you have. And listen, that's what Paul is saying here. Here's a great quote. This is a quote from an old dead guy. Here's what he says. The happiest people don't necessarily have the best of everything. They just make the best out of everything. And listen, that's what Paul's saying. Hey, I know how to do without. But then he says this. I know how to do well when I'm doing well. And again, I think that's where where we might struggle more I don't know about you guys, but when things are kind of going well, it's like, right? And your spirituality kind of begins to wane a little bit until someone comes and kicks you and and does some stuff and you start getting it together. And so Paul says, listen, I know how to do when, when it's really bad. I know how to do when it's really good. And then he says this, everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer, uh, to suffer need. I've got it down. I have found contentment. And then he says this. A lot of us have memorized this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, man, do we take that out of context. We take it out of here and we and rip it and we make tattoos out of it. We put it on our mirrors so in the morning, I can do all things through Christ. That's not what he's talking about. And we kind of think about all this macho stuff and I can leap tall buildings and I can stop moving bullets or whatever Superman does and I can do all those things. He's not talking about that. What's he talking about? Listen to what he's talking about. Contentment. He's talking about contentment. He's not talking about trying to become some kind of superhero or trying to overcome any object that's in your way. He's talking about contentment. And he's learned, listen, he's learned that contentment comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are never going to be content until your relationship with Jesus Christ is right. You know, I always find it kind of fascinating. Some people, you know, single people think they're going to find contentment if they get married. Married people think they're going to find contentment if they get out of marriage sometimes. Not all married people, but some people, man, if I just didn't have this, like, you know, thing around my neck, I'd be okay, and we'll just leave it there. (laughs) But then single, single people have the hardest. If I could just get a husband, if I could just get a wife, I'd find contentment. Let me tell you something. If you're not content as a single person, you're not going to be content as a married person. Oh, it'll last a little bit, but it'll fade away. Your contentment has to come through Jesus, and you have to understand, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do that, and I can find that contentment when I find it in Jesus Christ, and I have that relationship with him. That's what Paul's talking about. So again, it always cracks me up, because how many of you, don't raise your hands, have like so quoted this out of context, you're, you know, you're facing some big hurdle in your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
It always bothers me when people like rip, rip Bible verses and they use them like magical incantations. Like if I just say this enough, it's going to be true and, and I can do it. No. He's talking about, listen, he's talking about maintaining that dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of any circumstance and every circumstance. And here's what I found with old age. Life happens. And it's not all beautiful. It gets sticky, it gets messy, it gets ugly, it gets hard. And Paul's saying we have to find that contentment in Jesus Christ. And once you're there, listen, once you're there, I think then, I think you do it. So how, how do I get there? Well, didn't he tell us, be anxious for nothing but in everything? Didn't we just read that through prayer, not just now, last week? Right, through prayer and supplication, present your request to God. Didn't he tell us, listen, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are normal, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and, and if anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. How am I gonna find that contentment? By reading my word, by fellowshipping with Jesus, by having that quiet time, we call it. I like to call it fellowshipping with him and fellowshipping with one another. Then we're gonna be there. Then we're gonna be like Paul and we're gonna be chained to some funky, nasty-smelling soldier who's not gonna let us go and we can say, I'm good. And you're gonna be okay. But if your contentment's not in Jesus, you can be changed to the best-smelling thing next to you and you're still going to be uptight, right? So he says, listen, man, this is what's going on. Now, having said that, I think, I think again, I think as Paul's writing this, I kind of get a picture like, like, you know, I get a picture, my, my, my mind's weird. Like, I get a picture, he's in this rented house, it's not good, he's chained to this funky soldier, right? And so, so I'm sure he's, if he was right-handed, he said, chain my left hand because I got a right, right? And I look at him and he's got a little table going in my mind, I don't know if it's true, and he's writing this out, and he just wrote this and he goes, oh, that might come across a little harsh. I better lighten up. And so he doesn't have an eraser, so he can erase it. So he goes, I know, I'll just keep going, right? Do you ever do that? Do you ever say something and go, oh, that didn't, and, and then instead of just stopping, we just keep on talking. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, right? So listen to what he does. He's thinking, oh, I wonder if that came across harsh. Verse 14, nevertheless, I love that, right? Nevertheless, that's like saying but, only in a polite way, right? Did, did you ever, did your parents ever say, like my mom used to always say, don't but me, so I do this, nevertheless, right? So, so, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Here's what he's saying. I don't want these guys to think like I'm not appreciating what they've done by saying, hey, I know how to do with a lot and I know how to do without. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like, it's like I don't want them to, I don't want to, I don't want to like crush them because they, listen, these guys gave out of their poverty, they're like that widow who gave the last bit she had. They gave out of their poverty to help Paul to keep him going. So he says, listen, nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning, uh, concerning giving and receiving, but only you. Here's what he's saying, man. I took off and I left there. And out of all the churches, 
Philippi. Philippi was faithful. Now, I wonder why that church, why were those guys bent that direction? And, you know, some of you are thinking I'm going to give you a brilliant answer. I'm not. Are you just, don't, you, don't you get a little curious? And again, go back and read what he says in, in, in 2 Corinthians and as he begins to talk about this church. And, he, and here's what he's saying. You guys, out of all the churches in Macedonia, you guys were the one that made sure I went. Now, you know, a little bit, I got to think a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that lady, Lydia, maybe had a little bit to do with it. Remember, she was a wealthy, like wealthy er, 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 uh, worker of purple cloth and, and, and had this good gig going. Maybe she was part of it, but how long could that last? And he's saying, you guys, you guys made sure. Have you ever thought about you can be involved in the gospel going around the world. You just got to kind of give of yourself a little bit. Just a little, just listen, you don't, you don't have to, you don't necessarily even have to go. You have to give of yourself. You can pray. You can give financially. You can do emails now. You can do texts. And we have the people that we support around the globe. You can be part of that. And here's what Paul says. You guys, listen carefully. You guys were instrumental in getting the gospel out. And they never left Philippi. Hmm. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? And then he says this. Listen. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. It's interesting. We're studying the book of Thessalonians on the weekend, right? A couple of you nod your head like you come on the weekend. So we're studying that on the weekend, and here's what he's saying. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you guys, and, and he wasn't there that long. This is, this is like a little mind-boggling to me. He wasn't there that long, but the church of Philippi was funneling money to him and support to him while he's there. And listen, it sounded like it really impacted what Paul was doing in Thessalonica. And here's what I know, man. When, listen, when we give sacrificially, when, when we give because we want to give, because we want to bless the Lord, and we want to be part of that, it's amazing what he can do with what we give. And I think way too many, listen, way too many messages on giving are all about, come on, dig deep. It's not that. It's that you get to be involved in something. You get to be part of something. And Paul says, listen, man, you guys, even in Thessalonica, and then verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds on your account. Here's what he's saying. I'm not seeking more from you guys. They've, they've really supported him and done well. But he says, here's what I love, the idea of what happened in your lives because you gave. What changed in you because you let go of that. You know, one of the first, I, I think one of the, one of the last things, I should say, that kind of gets sanctified, well, the very last thing that gets sanctified in our life is our right foot, the one that steps on the accelerator, and that's the last thing to get, to get sanctified. A little conviction going on, got really quiet when I said that. That's always interesting to me. But then the next to the last thing is usually our wallet. Like a lot of us, we get real offended, man. If a pastor starts talking about money, What's you talking about? And it's just fun to watch faces when you start talking about money. But I know for me, when I really let go of stuff, you get saved, 
and you kind of walk with the Lord and maybe some people say stuff and, and maybe even, listen, maybe even you work up a thing where you're giving but your, your heart's not in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And when you finally let go, you finally just, and you let it go. It is amazing what the Lord shows you and what really begins to happen in your heart greater than even, I think, the people you're reaching. And it, listen, it begins to transform your life and change your life. And so Paul says, listen, man, you guys are part of this. You guys made sure that the church in Thessalonica got to hear the gospel because you made sure I was taken care of and you made sure that was going on. And you were the only church in Macedonia that was doing that. And again, in Corinthians, he says, you guys gave out of your poverty. You gave out of what you didn't have so I could continue on. That's amazing when you think about it. It always bothers me. Now, another thing, I'll kind of flip this. Sometimes it bothers me. I've been on a mission field, and, and churches on the mission field sometimes never take offerings from the people that they're ministering to because they're going, oh, they're all so poor, and we're depending on the American you know, church to support us <laughs> on that too. Hey, giving is giving, period. And just because you don't have a lot doesn't mean you don't give. So, Again, Paul's saying, look at what happened to you guys. I love that. And he goes, hey, I'm not trying to seek from you. I'm trying to make sure that your fruit abounds. And the more we hang on to stuff, I think especially material stuff, the worser we are. And it's hard to let go of that stuff, isn't it? I remember one time I was, I was teaching and, and I was talking about everything we have is going to burn. And you kind of know that, don't you? And some of it's going to burn a lot quicker right now, it's seeming like. But anyway, so it's all going to burn. And, and then I was with somebody, and, and, and uh, this is like hilarious. They kind of had a new car, and we went to some place, and, and someone went, <coughs> and door dinged them. I looked at him and said, That's, that was their reaction. <gasps> and I went, it's going to And it is, isn't it? And when we let go of those things, you know how freeing that is? And that's what Paul's talking about. Listen, you guys abound. And then, and then he says this, indeed, verse, verse 18, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things, you sent, the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, accept, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Do you hear what he just said? He's in prison. He's in jail. And here's what he says. I have everything I need. I don't need anything. I'm abounding. How do you abound in jail? Right? How do you bound when you're chained to some soldier and you can't do what you need to do and you can't do what you were called to do? Obviously, he's doing it through the pen. But listen, man, I look at this and I go, seriously, you're going to write to them and say you're abounding? And here's what he's saying, because of your gift, because of your generosity, I have everything I need. I'm getting the food I need. I'm getting the help I need. I'm getting the clothes I need. Why? Not because I'm able to work, but because you guys are sacrificially making sure that I'm taken care of. And Epaphroditus showed up. Now, I do know from research that Epaphroditus took a gift to Paul, and then he took this letter back to the church at Philippi, and they read this, and, and he kind of probably is just standing there with a big grin on his face. But he says, man, listen, everything was good. And then he says this. Think of this. 
And he says, the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. When we read in Exodus and Leviticus, the fun books, right? Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we read about those sacrifices, and and God says it's a sweet-smelling aroma, And a friend of mine once said, well, I kind of get that because he lived, when I was living in Bisbee, he lived up above us. And he said, when you barbecue, I smell your barbecue and it's pretty sweet smelling. And I said, but if I burned it all the way, would it be sweet smelling, right? Because he's trying to, he's trying to give God a break here, right? We got to fix things for God because he's talking about burnt meat swelling, smelling sweet. It's not the, listen, it's not the stuff. And I don't really think God like has nostrils and starts, oh, that smells good. But I think he does get a sweet-smelling aroma when we do something sacrificially. When we worship, listen, when we offer a sacrifice of praise, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And here's what he's telling that church in Philippi. Man, your, your generosity Let's just put it this way, blessed God. Hey, it definitely blessed Paul, but it blessed God. Do you ever think of that? That you and I have an opportunity by faith to do stuff to bless God, and some of you are going, that sounds a little heretical. I don't think it's heretical. We bless him. God is well-pleased. I love, I love the way Paul writes this. Listen, God is, it, it was well-pleasing to God. Have you ever thought that some little thing that you do is well-pleasing to the one who created everything, the king of the universe, the one who controls everything, and he looks and goes, oh, that was, here's what I think he says, that was sweet. Yeah, and so listen, man, that's what happens. Now, Paul's not done, and then he says this. Here's another verse, man. You know, Philippians is full of verses taken out of context. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many people quote that trying to get a whole bunch of material stuff? Right? Listen, he's not promising health and wealth. God never promises that. And people will quote this, well, you know, my God will supply all you, all you got to do. And it's especially the evangelists, right? All you got to do is dig a little bit deeper, just a little bit deeper. Give, sat, come on, come on. Just write that check. Empty that bank account. Give it all to me, and God will give it back to you. Press down, right? Didn't Jesus say press down tenfold? And right here, God will give to you, uh, supply all of your needs, they usually say, according to his riches and and glory in Christ Jesus. You know how rich Jesus is? Just give. That's not what he's talking about. Number one, I find it interesting that King James and the New King James use the singular My God will supply your need. The other translations say needs. I kind of like the idea of singular. What is our greatest need? Think about it. What is our need? Not our needs. What is our need? Salvation, isn't it? Some of you, this is not a trick question. Some of you are going, I'm not going to answer him. (laughs) Our greatest need is salvation, to be with Jesus Christ. And my God will supply that how? through all of his riches, through everything he possesses in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died on a cross for me. 
And listen, when I get a hold of that, listen, salvation is my greatest need, and my God is going to supply that according to his riches, uh, the riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Yes, yes. And I do think God will take care of us. I don't think he's going to make us rich. You know, my favorite story is after I got saved and I've been saved a while and I finally let go of stuff, I finally decided to let go of stuff, I decided that how I was going to give to God through our business. And I decided how I was going to give to God. And it's, it's always uh, blew my mind, friends that were discipling us that were kind of trying to raise us up to be good little Christians. And they, they were good. They were good in our lives and helping us. But I said, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to give to God. And I'm, it's none of your guys' business how I decided to do that. But I, I let them in on it. And they go, you can't do that. You have to, you have to decide after taxes, not before taxes. And after your expenses of your business, not before. And I go, what do you care what I'm doing? Well, you don't want to do it like you don't want to do that. And I go, yeah, I do. I really, I, I feel like I want to do it this way, and this is how I'm going to do it. Well, that's just crazy. And I go, well, call me crazy. And so, listen, man, Ganella and I determined to do it. This was the thing we decided to do together. And, and we were sacrificially giving at that time. We were taking, you know, quote, off the top. We were just giving to God because we felt called to do that. And, you know, I would love to tell you that my business flourished and grew and blossomed. Our business tanked. Now, listen, I, people always go, Pat, why do you tell that story? People will quit giving. Well, you know, if you're giving to get, you need to quit giving anyway because you're giving for the wrong motive. And God's not broke. Like God's not in heaven going, man, I hope they give that last dollar. <laughs> why did our business tank? I can tell you why. Because God didn't want me making pottery for a living. He wanted me to pastor a church. And he has a way to do that. So listen, man, I love this idea. Listen, I do believe, and I believe, listen, we did that. And we started living very sacrificially, but you know what? Our need was met. We, we served the Lord and our need was met. And I do know how to, I do know how to be content when I'm, when I'm down and out. And I know how to be content when I have a lot. And Paul says, listen, man, this is what God is going to do. We need to be people, we're sold out to Jesus. And, and so again, he's telling the church of Philippi that, and then he kind of wraps it up and then doesn't wrap it up. He says in verse 20, now our God and Father, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Now listen, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he just laid all that out, and man, as, he, as that just kind of came out of his pen, he just went, yes. This is it. This is what we need to understand. This is what we need to get a hold of. We need to get a hold of the idea that if we're generous with God, God is going to be generous with us, not necessarily materially, not necessarily with health, but with relationship. Hey, if you're a stingy gut, did you ever call people that when, when you're growing up? Hey, you stingy gut. I don't know if that's a term. Sorry. Some of you are like really offended. That's what we used to tell people, man, when you stingy gut, why are you keeping that? Come on, give me half your sandwich. So, you didn't do that at school? Oh, that was a Bisbee thing, I guess. So, man, we used to do that. And listen, here's what I know. If you're a stingy gut with God, you're not going to be really, listen, not blessed materially, but spiritually. Spiritually, you're not going to be blessed. 
that whole sowing and reaping thing is a real thing. And God is putting that out. Listen again, again. I don't think we give to get even spiritual, but we give to let go of and to come to God with his open hand. So here's what he says, man. When he says all of that, here's what he says. Now to God, I love this, our father, not my father, our father. That's a huge thing when you think of the generation he's writing to. Hey, number one, the Jews very seldom called God father. And now to make it personal and he's our father, right? He says, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he says this, then I love this, man. Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Who's he writing to? The church at Philippi. Notice he doesn't say greet all the saints because that's a group. Greet every saint Tell each one of them, hi, greet them, do that sort of thing. I kind of like that idea. But then he says, but all of us, listen, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me uh, greet you. And then all the saints greet you. So, so listen, now he kind of teams up from his side. Hey, we're a group and we're doing this as a group. But I want to make sure every individual is greeted, is thanked, is talked to. And we've talked about their saints, right? Because when you're saved, you become a saint. It's not what the Catholic Church does for you. It's what Jesus does for you that makes you a saint. And you're a saint. And again, saint means separated or separated unto. And he says, listen, man, greet them all. Greet the church is what he's saying. Greet the brothers and sisters. And then, and then he says, listen, man, the brethren who are with me also greet you. And then all the saints greet you. Now check this out. But especially those who are of Caesar's household. What? What did he just say? Where is Paul in Rome? He's not staying, listen, he's not staying at the Marriott. He's in jail. Who's guarding him? Roman soldiers. Who are they under? Caesar. Huh, huh. What a sneaky guy. This guy said, get chained to Paul, and Paul would go, hey, you know what? We got like eight hours. Let me tell you about Jesus, because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> what an opportunity. And here, listen, isn't, isn't this an implication that Caesar's household not, I, listen, I don't think he's talking about his family. I think some, but I think he's mostly talking about the servants, the guards, the people involved, Everybody involved in keeping that house going, Paul got in contact with, they're the ones. And he says, listen, man, the saints, the saints, he says, listen, the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, here's an interesting thing to do. This is fun. Go to Romans, not right now. Do this for homework. Go to the end of the book of Romans, write down, remember he lists all those names and, and I love to think about that like, like someone got Paul's iPhone and got his contact list. Because it's, listen, man, he just gives all these names. Check out how many of those names are Gentile names. And maybe there's some of these guys that he's talking about right here. Some of the people who are guarding him. Some of the people who are serving Caesar. And he says, hey, those, now, earlier on in the letter, didn't he say that it's okay? The guys he's chained to, it's all right? In other words, he's kind of saying, don't pray for me, man. Pray for them. And now they all greet you. I love this, man. 
it just, I think Philippians just gets better and better. Kind of you want to go back and start over again, kind of to, to, to get refreshed. You might do that tonight. Just go back and read the whole book again. But all the saints, listen, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household who didn't know they were going to get saved when they arrested me, but now they're saved. That's my commentary on that. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Starts by grace, finishes with grace. Paul starts with this whole idea of saints, right? To the church, to the saints at Philippi. And he ends it talking about the saints. Kind of the bookend thing. But here's what we need to get from this. Contentment. We need to understand that. Because we live in a culture that breeds discontentment. We live in a culture that everything, listen, everything we come in contact with just about tells you you can't be content. And we need to fight against that. That's the difficult thing in our culture to come against that. And we need to understand that all of that stuff coming our way, most of it is just so that, that, listen, so they can make us discontent so we will try and get their product, right? Hey, if you buy this, it'll be better for you. If you wear this, it'll be better for you. If you drive this, it'll be better for you. If you do this, it'll be better. Isn't that what they tell us? And it's lies. Find our contentment in Jesus Christ. Begin to build a dynamic, real relationship with him. It bothers me to think that there are people here tonight, and I believe there are, who are simply religious, just showing up. Not with that dynamic and real relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you have that real relationship, you do find that contentment. And for some of us, it takes longer than others, but there is that contentment in him. But if you're just religious, now you just wasted an hour. And you're gonna go out of here you know, still being religious, but you're not going to be content. Not going to find that. And Paul says, listen, man, trust Jesus no matter what. It's easy to say, but sometimes it's hard to do. And I think it's hard when the world really throws us a major curveball that we never thought we were going to have to walk through. But I also think it's hard when the world gives us such abundance that we begin to rely on that. Don't be self-reliant, be Jesus-reliant. Another good tattoo, if you're looking for one. Oh, I got one coming up too, man. I'm designing one. It's gonna be really good. But, right, don't be self-reliant, be Jesus-reliant. Someone go get that. Get that done, show it to me. Let me see what that looks like. Let's all stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for this challenge. It's, it's also easy just to read this and, and even agree with it. But it's a whole nother thing to walk through it. And I pray, God, I pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters that this wouldn't just be a couple verses that are easy to memorize, a couple verses that we just throw out as, as little incantations, but Lord, that would be a reality in our life. 
God, that we would know that the things we face, the struggles and the difficulties, the hard things, the easy things, that, Lord, that we can know that we can get through those things with the power that you've given us. That we can have that contented life with the power of Jesus Christ. That we would know that, God, your grace is sufficient for everything we need. So draw us close to you. Don't let us just use your word as, a, as some kind of magical things, but let your word go deep in our hearts. Be glorified in our lives. And God, we want to draw near to you. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, to change you and begin to direct you, tonight is the night of salvation. Right now, right now is the time to do that. You've heard this message, you know where contentment comes from, and you're not gonna like just whip it up on your own. You're gonna have to learn to trust him. So if I'm talking to you, and right now if, you're, if your hands are a little bit sweaty, palms are a little sweaty, and you're kinda like, oh, then I think God's talking to you. And if you want that relationship, if you wanna be forgiven for your sins, and you want a relationship with God, then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And basically the prayer is gonna be that you're gonna confess to God that you're a sinner. You're gonna let him know that you know you're a sinner. God already knows, but you need to come to that realization in your life that you've sinned against a holy God. And then you're gonna ask him to forgive you because where you're standing right now, you need forgiveness. The bad news is your sin cost you your relationship with God, cost you any kind of closeness with him. As a matter of fact, it cost you death is what the Bible says, declares that, that's separation from God. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross physically, and also had that separation from God for you, and he paid everything you owe, all the eternity that you owe, he paid it in full, and now he holds to you tonight this receipt that says, hey, it's paid in full, it's taken care of. All you have to do is take that, and by that, call on his name. Say this prayer with me. So you can say it out loud, you can say it silently. If you're backslidden, say this prayer tonight. Man, just come home, come back to Jesus. If you're watching online and God spoke to your heart, you can say it right where you're at, right in whatever building, whatever, wherever you're at, you can say that prayer. You don't have to be in here. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. And God, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.